Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. We are often asked at LifeSite how we remain hopeful in the midst of the horrible revolution in society, and especially in the church, which is going on all around us. Well, today I'll tell you exactly how to maintain your hope, and not only how to survive, but how to thrive in our times. We have the answer to not only how to remain hopeful, but exactly how the battle will be won. Stay tuned. So the title of what I'm going to speak to you about today is Finding Hope in the Midst of the Revolution. And a lot of people ask us that at LifeSite, how do you deal with this day in and day out and still smile? Because we still smile. Um, And we're still hopeful, very hopeful indeed. But it's true that we do seem to have come to a height of the revolution, if not the height of the revolution, the revolution against God. And Christian persecution is at an all-time high with even the so-called, well, not-so-friendly, not-so-friendly the Christians anyways, BBC, uh, reporting this this month. They said that a study finding that, and I quote, Christianity faced being wiped out from parts of the Middle East. It warned that Christianity, and I quote, is at risk of disappearing in some parts of the world pointing to figures which claimed Christians in Palestine represent less than 1.5% of the population. In Iraq, they said Christianity had fallen from 1.5 million before 2003 to less than 120,000. And I quote again from the article in the BBC, evidence shows not only the geographic spread of anti-Christian persecution, but also its increasing severity. The secular persecution of the church is every bit as intolerant in the West, with ridicule against Christians being the only acceptable prejudice in Western nations. And the church is riddled with the crimes of its clergy, which have brought its reputation and moral authority to an all-time low an all-time low in public opinion, such that clergy are ashamed or afraid to wear their clerics in public due to the overt hostility coming from passers-by with epithets of pedophile and the like. The phenomenon is so widespread as to have virtually ended the tradition of priests leading camping trips with altar boys, once a most common and relished part of a bygone era. But for men and women of faith, the most devastating reality of our day is the crisis of faith in the church, where many of the hierarchy, including the Holy Father himself, are gravely confusing the faithful with failure to preach the truth and at times statements, both official and unofficial, contradicting doctrine. The crushing of Orthodox clergy and religious by their own superiors. The wholesale abandonment of the underground faithful to the wolves overtly seeking to destroy the faith. And the promotion of wolves in shepherd's clothing to the highest offices in the church and the ruthless attack even on young Catholics clinging to to tradition are all signposts 
of our current agony. The dismantling of Orthodox liturgy, architecture, and music in the 60s and 70s persists and is exacerbated with the dismantling of Orthodox doctrine in our day to give us a church which no longer looks, sounds, nor feels like the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church born of the blood of Christ and the blood of martyrs that followed in his footsteps. The most nefarious plans of the diabolical sects have come to fruition in the most uncanny fashion, not with a bloody persecution, but with a seductive, slow, and deliberate progress which has brought the Catechism's number 675 to life, warning of, and I quote, a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. As the late Cardinal Carlo Cafara of blessed memory told us here two short years ago, reading from the letter received from the Fatima Seer, Sister Lucia, and I quote, the final battle between the Lord and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. And he said at our last conference, two years ago at this conference, what Sister Lucia said in those days is being fulfilled here in these days of ours with the battle in the church over marriage and the family. But what did Our Lady reveal in that same message via Sister Lucia to Cardinal Kafara? She said, and I quote, Don't be afraid, because anyone who works for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be opposed and fought in every way, because this is the decisive issue. This battle was known and envisioned in the plan of our Lord. And more importantly, your own participation in this battle was known. And you are the chosen instruments of our Lord and Our Lady in this great battle. As our sister Lucia said, quoting Our Lady, or she said, Our Lady has already crushed his head. This is exactly where we find our hope as the revolution against God and his church comes to a fever pitch. It is in Our Lady herself because, as the mystics call her, the city of God. Why did the greatest saints pray to live in our times, in these times, the times of the decisive battle between our Lord and the reign of Satan? Here is what we must do, not only to survive, but to thrive in these times, where I think the struggle actually has only just begun. The greatest promoter of devotion to Our Lady, Saint Louis-Marie de Montfort, writes about our times these words. He said, and I quote, I said that this will happen especially towards the end of the world. And indeed soon, because Almighty God and His Holy Mother are to raise up great saints who will surpass in holiness most other saints, as much as the cedars of Lebanon, surpass little shrubs. 
He said, these great souls filled with grace and zeal will be chosen to oppose the enemies of God who are raging on all sides. They will be exceptionally devoted to the Blessed Virgin, illumined by her light, strengthened by her food, guided by her spirit, supported by her arm, sheltered under her protection. They will fight with one hand and build with the other. With one hand, they will give battle, overthrowing and crushing heretics and their heresies, schismatics and their schisms, idolaters and their idolatries, sinners and their wickedness. With the other hand, they will build the temple of the true Solomon and the mystical city of God, namely the Blessed Virgin, who is called by the fathers of the church the temple of Solomon and the city of God. By word and example, they will draw all men to a true devotion to her. And through this, they will make many enemies. It will also bring about many victories and much glory to God alone. Listen to these words of encouragement and comfort from de Montfort. It is true that on our way, we have hard battles to fight and serious obstacles to overcome. But Mary, our mother and our queen, stays close to her faithful servants. She is always at hand to brighten their darkness, to clear away their doubts, to strengthen them in their fears, sustain them in their combats and trials. Truly, in comparison with other ways, this virgin road to Jesus is a path of roses and sweet delights. But what will they be like, these servants, these slaves, these children of Mary? They will be ministers of the Lord, who, like a flaming fire, will enkindle everywhere the fires of divine love. They will become in Mary's powerful hands like sharp arrows with which she will transfix her enemies. They will be as the children of Levi, thoroughly purified by the fire of the great tribula tribulations and closely joined to God. They will carry the gold of love in their heart, the frankincense of prayer in their mind, and the myrrh of mortification in their bodies. They will bring to the poor and lowly everywhere the sweet fragrance of Jesus, but they will bring the odor of death to the great, the rich, and the powerful of this world. They will be like thunderclouds flying through the air at the slightest breath of the Holy Spirit, attached to nothing, surprised at nothing, troubled at nothing. They will shower down the rain of God's word of eternal life. They will thunder against sin. They will storm against the world. They will strike down the devil and his followers and for life and for death. They will pierce through and through with the two-edged sword of the word of God, the, the, the sword of God's word, all those against whom they are sent by Almighty God. They will be true apostles of the latter times to whom the Lord of hosts will give eloquence and strength to work wonders and carry off glorious spoils from his enemies. They will sleep without gold or silver, and more important still, 
without concerns in the midst of other, other priests, ecclesiastics, and clerics. Yet they will have the silver wings of the dove enabling them to go wherever the Holy Spirit calls them, filled as they are with resolve to seek the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Wherever they preach, they will leave behind them nothing but the gold of love, which is the fulfillment of the whole law. Lastly, we know they will be true disciples of Jesus Christ, imitating his poverty, his humility, his contempt of the world, and his love. They will point out the narrow way to God, in pure truth, according to the Holy Gospel, and not according to the maxims of the world. Their hearts will not be troubled, nor will they show favor to anyone. They will not spare or heed or fear any man, however powerful he may be. They will have the two-edged sword of the word of God in their mouths and the blood-stained standard of the cross on their shoulders. They will carry the crucifix in their right hand and the rosary in their left and the holy names of Jesus and Mary on their heart. The simplicity and self-sacrifice of Jesus will be reflected in their whole behavior. Such are the great men who are to come. By the will of God, Mary is to prepare them to extend his rule over the impious and unbelievers. But when and how will this come about? Only God knows. For our part, we must yearn and wait for it in silence and prayer. As he quote, I have waited and waited, as the scriptures say. We have been handed a great gift by the very revolution which sought to destroy the faith. The gift is the gift of humility. We can see with our own eyes that, and, and, and own painful experience, the enemies arrayed against us right now are more powerful than anything that our self-aggrandizement or self-assurance would let us believe. We know that we have corporations that we're fighting against in pro-life and pro-family that have the wealth and power that we can't even imagine. They have even beyond wealth and power and influence the power to spy on us at every moment of every day and to use that information for their gain and our detriment. If we know that the corporations and the powers that we're fighting in this world are so strong, how much stronger are our real enemies in this fight, in this war? The spiritual powers that make the powers of those corporations on the other side, including even Planned Parenthood, seem laughable. So we're grounded in the awareness of our weakness. And that, my friends, is our great strength. Even with the hierarchy of the church, the very magisterium of the Pope, stripped from us as an anchor of surety, we are now left in our most weak and vulnerable state. And that's exactly when God fights for us, when we put our full trust in him. We learn in the Magnificat why the Almighty chose Our Lady for his greatest work. For he has regarded 
the humility or the lowliness of his handmaid. And in her and with her and through her, we can do all things for Christ who gives us strength. And there is not much to do other than to live our Catholic lives the way we know we should, with daily Mass and daily Rosary, and a true devotion to Mary, which is an utter reliance on her for everything and with everything. It's in the simplicity of total consecration that the secret to the battle lies. In a total giving of yourself, in recognition of our total weakness and dependence and total trust in the city of God, where the Blessed Trinity, according to the words of de Montfort, the city of God, Our Lady, where the Blessed Trinity dwells in greater and more divine splendor than anywhere else in the universe, not excluding his dwelling above the cherubim and seraphim. It's in this simplicity of total consecration that we have the secret to this battle. In the book of the Apocalypse, or Revelations, chapter 11, we read of the two witnesses, or two end-time prophets, who are to battle against the Antichrist. And they are able to withstand him till nearly the end. And then they are slain by Antichrist. And in verse 10, we read something very interesting. We learn that after they are killed, their bodies lie in the streets for three days. And the people in the world celebrate. They exchange gifts with one another, the scriptures say, because these two tormented the people. How did they torment the people? We learn the answer to that in the Book of Wisdom. In the Book of Wisdom, mystically describing the reason for the crucifixion of Christ, we read these words. Let us, trace, let us lay traps for the upright man, since he annoys us and opposes our way of life, reproaches us for our sins against the law, and accuses us of sins against our upbringing. He claims to have knowledge of God and calls himself a child of the Lord. We see him as a reproof to our way of thinking. The very sight of him weighs our spirits down. For his kind of life is not like other people's, and his ways are quite different. In his opinion, we are counterfeit. He avoids our ways as he would filth. He proclaims the final end of the upright as blessed and boasts of having God for his Father. De Montfort reveals the key to the city of God, to Our Lady, is to imitate her humility. He says, and I quote, But Mary's power over the evil spirits will especially shine forth in the latter times when Satan will lie in wait for her heel. Her heel, that is, for the humble and poor servants, her children, whom she will rouse to fight against him. In the eyes of the world, they will be little and poor, and like the heel, 
lowly in the eyes of all, downtrodden and crushed, as is the heel, by the other parts of the body. This vision or this name of the heel is actually the title of the magazine of Voice of the Family, Calix Mariae, Calix Mariae, the heel of Mary. And let us cherish our littleness, our total weakness against the forces arrayed against us, but our total reliance, dependence, and absolute need for God. Let us take the lowest place in the army of Mary. Let us approach Christ always through his most holy mother. Let us address our Father in heaven with the words of de Montfort that he gives to us to use as we approach our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Behold not me, but behold the handmaid of the Lord who gives me a singular confidence and hope with thy majesty. May God bless you all, my friends. Hello, this is John Henry Weston. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. There you will find all the past episodes and much more. Thanks again for watching, and may God bless you.